0: Who is Jesus? You ask that question, you get a plethora of responses. Everybody has a different answer, um, but it's an age-old question, and it's it's one that's been asked for nearly two thousand years. And depending on the era in which you were you're born under, you might have a different response to that question. If you were born in the days of Jesus, you uh, your response might be that he's just a carpenter's son, or it might be that. He's an illegitimate child. If you were uh, around when he was walking this earth and performing his works and his miracles, you would say that that maybe he's a disillusioned individual or maybe he's a fascinating person to be around. If you were around during the Middle Ages, your response might be a little more accurate since the spread of Christianity really took off during the Middle Ages. Your, Your response then would be that he is God, that he is the Messiah. That He is the Savior of the world. But but as time goes on and and, and the question continues to be asked, when you get to the early 20th century, you you see that responses have become even more skewed. You get answers like, "He He was a man, but He was not God. You get answers like, He was just one of God's Son, or He was the devil's brother. You get responses that say, He was the chief angel, or He was like a God, but not really a God. But when you ask that question today, what response do you get? This video was made a year ago. And, and we, we heard some of the responses there. And, and you, you heard some, some positive things. You heard that he was a good man. He was a moral teacher. He was a, um, a historical figure. You know, he was a man. But you heard other things too, like he's a phantom. He's a figment of our imagination or a mythical figure, maybe like Zeus or Hercules. I've even heard people say he's just a cop-out, just an excuse. But regardless of who is asking the question, the question has to be answered. And it's a question that's so important that even Jesus demands an answer to it. And so this morning I want us to look at why, not only who Jesus is, but why is Jesus so important? Why are Christians so intrigued by this lone historical figure who's from the distant past? And if we we look at Jesus and who He was, I mean, He was not a particularly prominent person, not a particularly interesting person so much until He became and started His ministry. But the question became considerably pressing when you consider that that His life didn't even begin for greatness. Born into poverty, living in an obscure village, and and didn't go to school. Never visited a large city, never traveled more than 200 miles from His home. And when he was 33 years old, he had the the whole wave of of public opinion turn against him and and even prompted his closest friends to leave him, to abandon him. And so he was turned over to his enemies and nailed to a cross between two criminals. And while he was dying, the executioners gambled over his clothing, the only property that he had on this earth. And after he died, he was laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of an acquaintance but yet for almost 2,000 years, he is probably arguably the most central figure to the entire human race. And the question has to be asked, who is Jesus? C.S. Lewis, who was once a, a devoted atheist, later became a Christian, when asked this question about Jesus, this is his response. He says, I am trying here to prevent anyone from saying the really foolish thing That people often say about him. They say, I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim as God. C.S. Lewis says, that's the one thing that we cannot say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God or else he's a madman or something worse. You can shut him up a fool or you can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But do not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Who is Jesus? Was he a lunatic? Was he a madman? Was he a a, a demon? All all words that people use to describe Jesus. But but who do you say that Jesus is? I mean, we we obviously have an answer to that question because we're here this morning. We came here to worship God. We came to worship Jesus. But in a world where people are looking for for an answer to the, the things that are going on around them, when they're looking for solutions to their problems... And they're asked the question, who is this Jesus that can save me? What is our response? Who do we say that Jesus is? As His church, as His body of believers, as His followers, who do we say that He is? Because for so long, the church has been known as His followers, but the followers have not been accurately portraying who Jesus is. The the followers have not been accurately telling who Jesus is. There are those who profess to know Him, but they refuse to obey Him. There are those who swear by Him, but they have no need for Him. And there are those who claim to follow Him, but their life looks nothing like His. And so if we're going to answer the question, who is Jesus? Then then I think that there are some things that we must be marked by. Some some essential qualities. Some non-negotiables. Things that we we can't get away from. And if you have a, something to write with this morning, if you want to take notes, I'll, I'll have the, the notes here on the screen. But, but I want us to, to look at, at, as His followers, as His body of believers, who do we say that Jesus is? So Father, as we enter into this time, as we, we dive into Your Word, we pray that You would enlighten our hearts. That You would open our minds, that You would reveal to us not only who You are, but the glory of what it is that You've done for us. Father, that we would be able to to leave here this morning and boldly proclaim who you are and what you've done for us and, and share that with others because the world wants to know who you are. And they're looking to us for answers. And Father, we want to be faithful. So be with us this morning as we enter into this time. In your precious Son's name we pray. Amen. you have your Bible in Matthew chapter 16 I want to I want to look at these essentials that if we're going to to live by the truth of who Jesus is if we're going to answer that question of who Jesus is that we will we will be marked by these qualities qualities that the disciples modeled and so as we we enter look at Matthew chapter 16 verse 13 we'll see the first one the first quality that we need to be marked by is this that we we must know him intimately in verse 13 of chapter 16 in Matthew, he says, Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus asked His disciples a simple question. And this is how Jesus usually taught. If you look back through the, 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 the Gospels, at, at how Jesus related to individuals and how He taught individuals. He taught by asking questions. And He led someone to the truth by asking the right questions. And He guided them to, to answer the right questions, with the right answers. But he asks a simple, seemingly benign question here. He says, who do the people say that I am? And if you were to to look back at the beginning of of chapter 16 there, you'd see that Jesus is being put to the test by the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And he's doing some, some miraculous works, and the people are following him. And he has his 12 disciples who are following him, who he has pulled aside from the culture. People who have the, the, the pulse of the community. They know what's going on in and around them. And Jesus wants to see if the disciples know what people are saying about them. He wants to see if they're paying attention. He's been, he's been teaching and healing and, and traveling all over the countryside. And, and, and God has not hidden His cards from anybody. He's, he's shown His cards, so to speak. He hasn't really held back from them about who He is. He hasn't explicitly told them who He is, but He's given them evidence. He's, he's given them plenty of opportunity to see what He's capable of and what He came to do. And so He asked a question. He says, who do the people say that I am? And the disciples respond with the common answers of the day. They say, John the Baptist. Herod, the king that that, that killed John the Baptist, thought that Jesus was John the Baptist reincarnated. And one of the other disciples says, well, some say you're Elijah. Because Elijah had prophesied that that he would come back again. Another disciple responded that, hey, maybe you're Jeremiah. Because Jeremiah was heartbroken over the nation of Israel and cared for the people. So maybe this is Jeremiah. Jeremiah. Or maybe he's some other prophet, not just an ordinary man. He's doing too much to be just an ordinary man. And so they gave Jesus these popular responses. And then Jesus flips the question around on them. Jesus says, okay, that's who the people say that I am. Now let me ask you something, guys. You've been with me a few few months, a, a, a year. Who do you say that I am? you see me in action. You've seen what I've done. Who do you say that I am? And the ball is in their court. And Peter, our buddy Peter with the foot-shaped mouth, opens up his mouth and says, You are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the Son of the living God. And that answer is loaded with theological weight. And this is the first time that the disciples acknowledge who Jesus is. And the only way that they can acknowledge this is because they know Jesus intimately. They have spent a lot of time with Him, and because of this intimate relationship, because of God working in and through them, because they have this relationship, it's been revealed to them. We have a lot of people. Some in this church, some outside of this church, some in this community, some in our family, some in our friends, who know Jesus. But you know what? They do not know Jesus. Yeah, they they know who He is. Oh yeah, he's, He's God's Son. But they fail to know Jesus intimately. It's estimated that roughly 85% of Americans know who Jesus is. 85% know who Jesus is, believe that he died and rose from the dead. But but when it comes to the question, who do you say Jesus is, what can they say? What is the response? And, And I think the more important question is this, who exactly is the Jesus that you believe in? Because that's the heart of the question—not not do you believe in Jesus, but but who is the Jesus you believe in? Be, because follow this: who you say Jesus is will determine everything about how you will follow him. Who you say Jesus is will determine everything about how you follow him. If you say that Jesus is a good and moral teacher, that that he's just a, a good teacher, then you're going to live as if he's just a good teacher. And you'll, you'll do what you can just to satisfy the teacher so that you can get a good remark. Or maybe a good grade. If you say that he has some good teachings or he, he had a lot of good ideas, then, then you're just going to listen to what you want to listen to and, and, and you'll listen to what he says some of the time when it's convenient. And if you say he's, He was a good example, a good, a good person to model our lives after, then, then you'll just try to be a good person and, and it'll make you feel a lot better about yourself. But if you think, if you declare like Peter that, that you are the Christ, you are the Messiah, the One who, who was sent to earth to save us from our sins, to conquer sin and death, to reign and rule over all is Lord, then that will change everything about how you live. That will change your whole mindset. That will change how you, you go through your day. And if we're going to answer the question for people, who is Jesus? Then we must know Him intimately. We must spend time with Him. We must, we must seek His will. And we, <coughs> and as a church and as a potty of believers... Isn't that who we want to be? Isn't it? We want to be people who intimately know Jesus, who are seeking His direction for our lives because of what He did for us. Not that He gave us some rules to live by, not that He He had some good ideas or that He He led a good example, but He saved our soul from hell. He saved our soul from, from an eternity of torment. That's who Jesus is. And do you know how you know that? You only know that by entering into an intimate relationship with Him. And so if we know Jesus intimately, then, then as a follower of His, this next, next characteristic just makes sense to us. So we not only know Him intimately, but secondly, we, we must proclaim Him boldly. Look at verse 17. We must know him mentally, but we must proclaim him boldly. It's a portion of the text that usually will be interpreted many different ways, but but Jesus is blessing Peter here for accurately proclaiming who he is. And he makes a statement to Peter. He says, On this rock I will build my church. And this is a bit of a, a play on words here because he at this point he calls him Peter. The first time he's been Simon up to this point, but now he calls him Peter, which means small rock. And he says, he says, and on this rock, I, I own this rock, I will build my church. Which certainly points to the fact that Jesus is acknowledging some kind of foundation here in Peter. The Catholic Church holds that uh, from this verse that, that, that Peter became the first pope. And that's what it's, their religion is based on. But was the foundation Peter, was Peter where the church was built on? Think back to what we just looked at. He says in verse 17, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Peter makes the declaration that, that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And God says, That is the foundation. That is the the foundation that the church will be built upon. And so he calls him Peter because Peter boldly makes this statement. And so the point comes clear that that Jesus tells Peter that, that, look, you are my authoritative follower. I am giving you authority. You are being sent out for me to proclaim the gospel. And upon your proclamation of the gospel, upon you telling people about who I am, That's how I will build my church. And if we're going to correctly answer the question, Who is Jesus? Not only do we need to know Him intimately, but we need to proclaim Him boldly. you remember what happens in Acts 2 when Peter stands up and he preaches his first sermon? And he proclaims who Jesus is to the people who are in the upper room? And the Holy Spirit goes out and it fills and and, and over 3,000 people get saved. Peter proclaims the name of Christ. And you know what happens when we as his followers who know him intimately, who have a relationship, who seek to follow and and let him lead and guide our lives, when we proclaim his name, do you know what happens? People get saved. People find out who Jesus is. So the question is this, are we boldly proclaiming who Jesus is? How about the missionaries we've been learning about for the past month? Scott and Victor and Lorna and Kay. Each one doing different work. Going out into the communities that God has placed them in. Sharing who Jesus is and what's happening. People are coming to know the Lord and and being saved. Lives are being restored. Lives are being born. They're out there boldly proclaiming Christ. And and people are coming to know who Jesus is. And what happens when you boldly proclaim His name? What does Jesus say there? He says, and I tell you, you are Peter and on this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This was a Jewish idiom that that Jesus uses. It was a saying, a common phrase. But it meant that even death can't wrangle it in. And Jesus is saying, when you boldly proclaim my name, even death can't stop it from going. It doesn't die, it continues on. The gospel will live forever. And so, when we as His followers are, are boldly proclaiming His name, what can stop us? What can hinder us? What, and especially when we've been given the authority. He tells in in verse 19 that I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever is bound on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever is loosed on earth is loosed in heaven. He's given us an authority to to not only boldly proclaim His words, but, but to judge according to His word. He doesn't give us the the authority to judge hearts, but He he gives us the the authority to make judgments based on His Word. And so when we boldly proclaim the name of Christ and people accept Christ, we can agree with Christ that that they are born again. And when people reject Him, we can agree with Christ that they have rejected Him. But they, they they are not saved or lost depending on us, but upon the hearing of the Word. And the decision they make. And so as His followers, we're not only to be marked by knowing Him intimately, but by also proclaiming Him boldly. But finally, look at the last portion of this chapter. If we're going to tell people who Jesus is, then we must obey Him sacrificially. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in His kingdom. Jesus goes on to tell Peter the things that are coming. He tells of His suffering and impeding death. But He also tells of His resurrection. And, and, and He says these things must happen. And this is too much for Peter to take. And I, you know, I think... You know, I kind of want to smack Peter in the back of the head for, you know, wake up, man. He's God. He knows what's going to happen. But Peter begins to rebuke Jesus because Peter loves Jesus. And he doesn't want to see that happen to him. And so Jesus rebukes Peter and uses some pretty harsh words, calls him Satan. But just as Jesus was tempted early on in his ministry in Matthew 4 where Satan tempts Jesus, here Peter is... is is in a similar way tempting Jesus to forego what has to be done. And so Jesus must go and suffer many things. And so he gives his disciples some <clears throat> a, a command here that, that if they truly want to be his followers, if they truly want to be helpful, then, then, then they'll do these things. He says, if you want to be helpful, you truly want to follow me, you truly want to be with me, he says, then you got to die with me. Just as Jesus had to suffer many things to be obedient to the Father, so must the disciples. So Jesus bids His disciples to follow Him and to pursue Him and to to walk in His steps and trust Him. And the same call is put out to us. If we're going to be marked as His followers, then we must be willing to obey Him sacrificially no matter what the cost. That's what it means when it says to to, to pick up your cross, to deny yourself and follow Him. That means to to put away the things of of this world, the things of your own sinful desires. Put those to the side and follow Christ completely. What does that look like for us? I mean, does God really want us to die? You know, for some of us we may be martyred. It's not... It's not too hard to believe anymore that our country could get to the point to where we could be martyred for our faith. We're heading that way. But, but it could be as simple as, as not engaging in the same perversion that this, this world, this country that we live in is entangling themselves in. I mean, as a Christian in these days and times, if you hold a certain view on marriage and on life and on sexuality, you will suffer. You will face hate. You will face intolerance. You will face persecution. And if you stand for His principles, if you hold to the Word of God, you can lose your job, you can lose your livelihood, you can lose your friends, you can lose your family. But regardless, we're commanded to to deny ourselves. To follow Him. And so, well, we know Him intimately and proclaim Him boldly, but, but we'll, we'll pay the, the price in, in, in obeying Him, whatever sacrifice that may be. But regardless, when we, when we obediently follow Christ, look at verse 25, look at the promise that He gives us. For whatever you would, who would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And down at verse 27, For the Son of Man is going to come with His angels in the glory of His Father, and then He will repay each person according to what He has done. If we, if we obey Him sacrificially, if that means we lose our job, if that means that we lose our family, if that means that we lose our livelihood, if that means we lose our life, Only temporary. We'll be repaid much more. We'll be given so much more for following Christ. And so we'll give and gain eternal life in heaven. So this morning, we asked the question who is Jesus? He is the Messiah. The promised one who came to conquer sin and death. To save us from our sins. To die the death that we deserved. So that we wouldn't have to. But he didn't stay dead. He rose from the grave so that we can have eternal life. And if we're going to tell people who Jesus is. If we're going to accurately give them the answer to that question that so many people are asking themselves, who is this Jesus, really? The only way we can do that is by knowing Him intimately, proclaiming Him boldly, and obeying Him sacrificially. Who do you say He is this morning? Are you living out what you say you believe? Do you know Jesus Or do you just know of Him? Are you finding yourself at odds in obedience to Him? Or have you died to yourself? Have you taken up your cross? Are you following Jesus? Have you found your life in Him? That is what it means to be a disciple. That is what it means to be a follower of His. And if you have, if you are, are you sharing that with other people? Because there's a lot more of them who don't know who Jesus is than there are of us who know who He is. And we've been given the command. We've been given the task. We've been given the privilege and the opportunity to share that. And so Father, as we close out this morning, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for Your truth. We thank You for Your Son who You sent to to live and die be raised again for our behalf for our benefit for our glory for our position so father we ask this morning that as we close out that that we would consider not only who you are but but what you've done for us uh-huh. father that we would we would draw attention to <clears throat> to how we live that we would that, that people would be drawn in to find out who you are because of, of how we live. How we have this relationship with you. How we have this intimacy. How we have this, this ability to, to proclaim your name. Or this ability to obey. To follow you. To, to live for you. So Father, be with us as we close out. Open our eyes to the opportunities, to the privileges, to the, the situations that you've placed us in. And how we can do this to best bring glory to your name. We ask all these things in your Son's name. Amen. If you're here this morning and you'd like to come down front and pray, as we sing the hymn, the hymn in your bulletin we've changed, we want to sing hymn number 16 again, the one that we, we sang just before we came into the, the worship hour here. So if you would turn to that hymn, and as you, you sing, worship God, and if you need to pray, if you need to sit where you are and, and just talk to Jesus, you do that at this time, but you come as lordly.